0: I'm Craig Beaumont Flynn. Welcome to Beyond the Design, a show that gives you a peek behind the curtain of the design industry and shares the stories of those that are the driving force behind it. Well, welcome to Beyond the Design, and today we have Dagan Koffler. Uh Good morning, good afternoon, Dagan. How are you doing?
1: Good. Good morning to you. Good, Good. afternoon well, wherever you are. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Everyone's a little bit of everywhere. Well, welcome to the show. Yeah, uh, why don't we just go ahead and start off, and you can tell us a little about your personal background and what you do.
1: Sure thing. Um, so I'm owner of Dagan Design and Construction. Um, we also own a landscape country uh, construction company, DDC Landscape. Um, we're a design-build firm, construction company, and design firm. Um, so we're kind of like an encompassing of many. Different disciplines. Um, so our core business we take on design build projects where we're designing whole houses um, and then also executing the construction. We also have the ability to work with outside designers, um, which we do quite a bit as well. Um, so we, we, I always call ourselves like a hybrid because we do about sixty percent own designs, and then we do about forty percent of our projects um, are an outside designer. Um, but we're always sort of involved in some way, shape, or form on the design side through pre-construction, uh, the planning of it. Um, so we're heavily involved for sure.
0: So you wear many, many hats. Are you basically residential then?
1: We do. We do almost 100% residential. Occasionally we'll do a small commercial project, but it's almost all luxury residential.
0: Mm-hmm. How, uh, describe your uh, design philosophy and how it influences your projects.
1: Um, so it's, it's very site specific. So I, I don't I don't right. like go one way or another, but uh, or or have a specific realm that I have to stay in. Um, I I like organic materials. So whenever possible, I always incorporate as much stone or natural wood as possible. I like big timbers, so I always want to include big timbers in my projects. Um, like I'm currently building my own home right now, and um, it's heavy stone, heavy timber lots of wood lots of texture um and so anywhere i can include that in projects i do um i don't i'm not a plain white wall and put some artwork type of guy um (laughs) i like lots of texture um you can see my office i have you know exposed rafters and you know vertical you know stained wood so that's sort of my aesthetic um as far as i do things
0: so how'd you get started in this industry and why what made you decide to do design and build and construction and landscape?
1: <laughs> uh,
0: a lot of it's just
1: like evolution. But uh, yeah. I grew up a little bit in construction. My, my father was a framer before he became a teacher. So um, we built my house when I was a kid from about eight years old to 12 years old. Um, so I, I had a, a hand in construction for a, a good while there. And mm-hmm. um, I had a couple other careers in between there. And I came back to construction um and in different phases it wasn't immediate like I was doing high end residential i mm-hmm. i built custom furniture i was sort of like a high end furniture i did some window displays where i was doing everything i was designing them and then executing the construction um so i always had my hand in in all parts of it and then when i really branched off to do um you know be a contractor i was i was predominantly construction as you grow in in your projects you you know i started off doing hand drawings for you know right. small bathroom and kitchen remodels and i did hand sketched elevations and that's what we built it off we didn't we didn't have any you know 2d elevations done on autocad it was just you know here's your spacing i'll draw it out for you here's a couple of cool design things we can do here and then we would just execute um uh, and then obviously as your projects grow in size you get teams and um now we have you know a, a elevation page for you know 90 90 page spec book on these larger homes we do um uh, mm-hmm. But the evolution of uh, how we became a design firm was I, I sort of started mainly a construction company and saw a little bit of a need. We we started to get projects because we could execute um, the design project that you know higher end designers were doing. Um, there becomes like this, you know, fine line that we're a contractor, you know, no longer can execute something that uh, upper tier designer is is drawing. Um, and so we've kind of became um, good at that. And that was sort of our mm-hmm. niche. And then we sort of saw a niche where we were getting asked, can you also do the design? And so, you know, years ago we started to do that. Um, And now it's sort of like a, we're a full blown, you know, that's most of what we do now is full new houses or full house remodels where we're doing both the landscape or the design side of the house, the execution Mm -hmm. of the house, the design of the landscape and the landscape um, construction. So we end up doing sort of the whole estate.
0: Fantastic. So is there one specific project you can think of currently that you're most proud of or one that was most problematic that turned around and you are (laughs) proud (laughs) of?
1: Well, we have, uh, so both. so we, we, we just finished a really big uh, like a state and recently it was a very large home that we worked on with an outside designer on. Um, It's one of those things where you, you place such a hand in the design because you, you get a drawing. You know the two D is great, but it's not really what's potentially on site. Um, and that's where, like, we're I think we have just so much value when we're in that collaboration team. Is we can go to them and say, like, I get your intention here, but here's what the reality is, and here's your three options to achieve that design. Where yeah. you know I, I think that's just a very rare thing in our world. Um, so half the time we're redesigning what we get on site from designers. Um, So that project was, was super interesting and and it's beautiful. The designer did a wonderful job and all the execution of, you know, they did all the install. It was all custom furniture throughout the whole home, really beautiful home. But you know, there are a lot of things in that home where like we did that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it's really beautiful. The home came out great. Um, We, we are in another project right now. We're at the final stage for about two months from, um, finishing that project and all those little unique design elements that we incorporated are starting to come to life. Um, and so, you know, there's a team of us here. And so everyone's pretty excited about, you know, seeing in, as you know, in, in these high end construction, you have to put the cabinetry in and then you can't do your backsplash until your countertop comes in. So there's, there's all these layers of design features that are are starting to come to fruition. So that's very exciting.
0: Or it becomes a domino effect. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Little families, problems,
1: families. big problems, and yeah. you, just, you just learn to <laughs> fix them all. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Now, is most
0: of your work in California?
1: It's all. We uh, we actually stay to a pretty little uh, bubble. Um, we're in North County, San Diego, which is um, mm-hmm. Del Mar, Solana Beach, are the main sort of coastal cities. Um, and we really only work in about a – no more than about a 7 to 10-mile bubble. Um, mm-hmm. So it's about four different cities, and all of our work sort of comprised there.
0: How do you balance aesthetics and functionality in your uh, your design build? It's
1: actually a very uh, good question and, and not asked enough, which is uh, good. Um, so I actually look at it because I'm like a builder first and foremost. Um, I'm able to sort of sift through that, I think, a little bit quicker than like a designer. Designer designs something that's beautiful. And then right. sometimes there's good function and sometimes not um and so we always go out of the approach of like is this going to be usable um and since we're pretty intimate with the owners we also get to know them are they you know are they hosters are they party people do they cook mm-hmm. a lot what is the function of their lifestyle um and then we can really plan around that so like i'm very big in the kitchen being functional like they should be amazingly beautiful but they should they should work you know and it shouldn't be a material that can't get touched because someone does <laughs> want to use their kitchen so there's a there's an aspect of always of thinking about that. Like, I don't want a material that's so precious that it shouldn't be used. And then, what are we doing in our kitchen? Let's just I go take a picture life... somewhere. And... Yeah,
0: right. You can't live life in a museum. <laughs> Correct. I guess you could. Um, <laughs> you could. Yeah, it'd be difficult,
1: and you'd be cleaning a lot. <laughs> hey.
0: well, but it's it's constantly that... on mine, for sure. Right. Right. Well, that's good. What role does a sustainability play in your your practice and Can you provide an example as where project uh, sustainable design was a key focus?
1: Yeah, we we do it a lot actually with um, hardwoods. Um, Mm -hmm. So we do it a lot decking because you know the Brazilian hardwoods like Ipe and Grappa, those are you know just clear cutted forests. We almost never use those. Um, So we use products like um, Kebony, which is a thermally controlled ash product, which is sustainably harvested in Eastern Europe. Um, So we almost never use those products. So we we always will look for an alternative that has a better track record. Um, Even like the cedars, we always make sure that they, and most of our suppliers only buy from sustainable forests now. Um, And I actually know Sierra Pacific pretty closely. So I actually know the lumber that's coming out of those certain areas. Um, But no, we are always very conscious of not creating something that's so exotic because it's uh, exotic because it's being clear cut like a forest type product. Um, right. so we, we do, we're super conscious on, on some of those products for sure. But about decking, no, I think is probably the one that I'm most proud of that. I, I just don't really ever, ever use eBay, even though it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's a lot of problems with, uh, with that wood.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Now, is some of this also dictated by the client or the homeowner.
1: It is, but I feel like there's always, there's always a product or an alternative to what they're looking mm-hmm. at you know, maybe there's a real focus or an inspo, that picture that they've seen. But I feel like if it is a product that just shouldn't be used, then we could usually find an alternative. Yeah.
0: And, um, create a more conducive environment, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. And, and as you know, like it's very hard because some of these products are very mass produced and, they come from countries maybe that don't have correct regulations for the products that we're receiving. Um, mm-hmm. So it takes a little bit of homework on our end to understand what that product is, where it's coming from, who's processing it, you know, how it's getting here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what types of binders are they using? Is something I as a binder? Um, how toxic are those things? So, you know, it, it is it takes a great deal of effort on our part to really understand what they are
0: true true sometimes the clients don't understand that there's a lot of research that goes behind that it just doesn't appear
1: <laughs> you absolutely yeah <laughs> you, know, you get an inspo photo find me that and then you know well, what what is that
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh, what are, what are some of the challenges you've encountered when working on a large-scale project and how did you overcome them yeah
1: um, Most of it's, it's sequencing. Um, Yeah. You know, since we're on both sides of construction and design, um, when we're working with outside designers, it's it's always about like collaboration, like you need this from us. We need this from you. And that's a constant dialogue. You know, sometimes these projects would be two years long. um, And so you, and I've, I've, I've heard this reiterated multiple times by designers and builders is you, you need to be very um, careful who you choose to enter that relationship with um, because it's so long and it's usually the largest sum sum of money this client is paying for anything in their life. Um, so it's a, it's a delicate relationship as you go through this. And I think, I I think that portion of it is is, as far as sequencing is the most difficult as far as construction flows, when you need something, when they need to get something to you, not holding us up, not holding you up. I think that's all those challenges of a, of a big project that make it successful too. Um, when that dialogue is good and when we're in house, that's why part of it's developed and we, we try to push clients to do it all in house is because that mm-hmm. communication is so much faster and easier on our end. Um, we don't have to, there's not four parties that have to get an okay. It's, it's me and the person sitting next to me.
0: <laughs> a little bit more of a seamless process you could say.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. In, uh- in, in collaboration, what is the process between your entity, the engineers and the other stakeholders in bringing a life to uh, bringing a project into life? What is that process yeah, so, for you and your team?
1: Um, so it always varies because we don't, you know, a lot of time we're first to get called. You know, the, mm-hmm. the homeowner calls us direct. Um, and it's a project that needs an architect, um, the structural engineers, all the civils, everyone. So. We we operate on what we call a pre-construction agreement. So basically, it, it signs us on at that early stage to sort of lead the charge with all of these disciplines. So we have an architect that we work with pretty regularly. So we usually have an introductory meeting, we get him aboard, and then we do all the feasibility studies on the project. And we're we're working hand in hand with him throughout that process, A, to make sure that he's staying within sort of the budget confines, the vision of the client. And then we're there to help with feasibility. You know, I'm not sure. I can't remember where you're, where you're located. Are you in Tulsa,
0: Oklahoma in the Midwest? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay.
1: Yeah. So our regulations for building are probably a little bit stricter. Um, (laughs) So our permitting process could take one, two, three years easy. Um, And you have to sort of, you know, have a PhD in permitting around here to get anything done. Um, So we Pick our partners pretty specifically, people that know how to get those avenues, um, you know, get those things accomplished. Um, So our architect is very good. He he knows code really well, you know, zoning really well, planning. um, So he can execute those things pretty quickly. So we get answers back. You know, we have setbacks. We have fire safety here. You know, these are all the variables that are going to confine this project. And then we get creative. So, you know, here's what we're left with on a one acre plot. What can we do with it? You know, where's the sun location? How big of a house do you want? What kind of remodel are we looking at? Um, but that's, the, that's what we try to strive for when we get first called is we try to get our architect on board. He does space planning with us um, in collaboration. Once that space plan is done, and then we go to work on all the interior elevations. Um, and so it's always a collaboration, and it sort of streamlines that process a little bit.
0: What's the largest square footage of a project that you've done?
1: Um, so this house that's completed was almost 10,000 feet. It was a pretty sizable house. Livable that was space. nine <laughs> little space. Yeah. I think the interior yeah. was, uh, eight or nine bedrooms and nine and a half baths. And there was also a, another, um, house, a casita that was another thousand feet. So a sizable house.
0: Speci- yeah. Yeah. sizable for one.
1: <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs>
0: is there any criteria, is there any criteria or parameters, um, that you need to check off when you start doing a project before you accept a project? Yeah.
1: I mean, we always, when we go into like client first meetings, it's it's like a dual interview. Um, you're interviewing us and we're interviewing you. Um, you know, budgets one thing, like, you know, we're, we're on the upper tier and it's just not, we're not, we're not set up to do a sort of middle range project. We have a lot of, layers of management um we have a project coordinator we have a project manager we have supers and foremen so we're just not really set up to um to handle a small project it's not feasible usually um mm-hmm. so that's the first and foremost it sort of has to be a sizable project in order for it to work us as how we're sort of set up um and then a lot of it's you know personality you know like like i said our permitting here is really lengthy um, right. and it can be stressful and it's um it's a lot to manage um expectations on time you know some people might come from the midwest and they say well last house we did we we had a brand new permit for three months you know and i have to tell mm-hmm. them like where you're located with the city municipality and coastal commission this is this is really a like 24 to 30 month project just to get the permit and then you have a two-year build. So this is a three to five year you know window that we're going to be together right. um so those are very hard things to swallow and you know, you got to tell people you might have to spend a hundred, $200,000 in the next two years before you do anything just to get to the point to build. Um, so a lot of it's setting expectations. And then, if you know, some, some people have built before in this area and that's wonderful because they know what to expect. Um, we're not telling them something that like just seems foreign or a lie. And they have to yeah. go talk to twelve other people to understand that that's that's the reality of what it takes to get stuff done here. Right. Um, so I think a lot of it's personality, and then making sure that the the type of project fits the company setup that we are.
0: Sure, they don't. Uh, I I used to live in California, so I know the Coastal Commission is quite the headache. That's one of the, <laughs> yeah, the elements. <laughs> yeah and
1: we're on the coast a lot of the projects we uh we're within one or two miles of the coast which is all that coastal zone so right. we we get hit all the time yeah
0: what's your thoughts on uh and the impact of technology such as a i and uh bim on the def- the field of uh, design
1: uh it's super interesting uh I, my project manager is like super in the chat is it chat g d t chat g what's the one the like one
0: that, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, GBT, uh, he's super into it, and and we've been using it a little bit as an experiment. Like if we need to write a certain type of email to a client, we'll we'll actually Mm -hmm. see what it comes up with. Um, And we've actually talked a lot about it in the office as far as like what we do if we ever think we're going to be impacted by some form of AI. And um, Mm -hmm. it's interesting because our biggest value is being in front of clients and solving problems on site. And I I don't know if our specific Duties are going to go anywhere. I I do think on the design side, um, and I've I've seen a couple podcasts where they talk about you can put in an image of uh, you know an elevation and give right. them the theme you're looking for and a few materials and it can spit out a hundred different images or renderings based on that. Right. So when I when I think about um, something that's maybe not so custom or fully original. Um, I think there's a middle tier of design that for sure could get gobbled up by AI. Um, a lot of DIYers, um, right now there could be sort of a lot of middle tier designers who are, are pumping out, you know, you know, farmhouse kitchens and that, that world might see an impact. Um, but I, you know, we're, I don't think we're insulated by any stretch. I think anything can happen, but I think what we do on a day-to-day basis, um, I don't think there's an AI solution currently that can take the you know the people person talking problem solving away currently.
0: The connectivity and I think the the building of a relationship is an important factor. Yeah, I, I don't think that can be replaced with AI.
1: <laughs> no, and and you know when you work in this level of building, you'd soon realize that a you have to be good at your job, but then the mm-hmm. reason you get the job is because you you connect well with your client. There's something some level where they say, "I like this guy, I know he does good work, but I like him as a person. That's why I want to spend the next two years with doing this, uh, mm-hmm. where you know maybe the next guy just rubbed them the wrong way, even though he could be a great builder too or a great designer. Um, I think that's really what separates why we get a job versus someone else in in a lot of cases.
0: So you mentioned your office and what you personally like. So is there a a Dagan design aesthetic that you gravitate towards? that you try yeah, to kind of um, bring it into your client's uh project i do yeah uh
1: stone and wood you know stone and wood yeah. i like i like anything that's heavy and big timbers and you know rocks um we do a lot of stone cladding on houses um so anytime i can like i'm actually gonna do like 60 or 70 percent of my whole house in belgian bluestone um wow. so it's all gonna be hand chiseled and um and I have almost every room's going to have exposed beams. I've, uh, over the last year and a half, I've been sort of collecting, you know, anywhere I can find hand-hewed timbers or someone, you know, selling out a lot or something. I buy all that. Um, so we have a lot of hand-hewed timbers. Um, I like old, vintage. I like things that feel warm, but are also super aesthetically pleasing. Um, so I, like I said, wood, wood and stone is my go-to. Uh, yeah. And then texture. I everywhere I can, I try to use some sort of plaster wall treatment, um, or have some sort of vertical wood somewhere. Um, I don't like a lot of bare walls, as far as just plain white walls. I like to keep things moving. A lot of textures. Yeah, but rock, a, rock, 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 and wood.
0: Yeah. Stone and wood. <laughs> are, are you are you your own worst client?
1: Oh, for sure, and most expensive <laughs> by far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I got to like scour the earth for the stone I'm looking for. <laughs> um, Cause I, you know, I, I want to do a lot of it and it's right. economies, you know, it's just the economies. It's you, you do one wall. That's only 600 square feet or you do a whole house that ends up being 4,000 square feet of stone. It's just, it's a very costly thing to do. Um, right. But I, yeah, I'm doing this also part as a, I want this to be my show house. I want to show clients exactly what we like to do on a home. Um Also even building techniques. I'm, 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 I'm forking over the, the cost to do it, to show how I would, if someone said, build me a house, like I don't have a budget, what are the best practices, the things that you would do in your own home, what would you do? So I want, I'm, I'm going through that process right now.
0: <laughs> there you go. This is it. Come show and tell. This is it. Is this your first home yeah. building yourself?
1: Uh so, yeah, I, I've done uh, my other house that I live in now. We've done substantial addition. I built two ex- ex- uh, accessory dwellings on that property as well. It started as a fifteen hundred square foot, and I have almost four thousand feet now there um, in three structures. So not my first time building for myself, but right. uh, fully uh, f- most ground up, yes, for my own home. Yeah.
0: So what? One of many, on... hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I, sure you can build my house um what's your thoughts on clients that bring you a stack full of pinterest and lookalikes and farmhouse kitchens and all the other trends do you try to gear them towards their lifestyle or do you just appease them and say sure this is what we will build you
1: uh no we, we we for sure always try to incorporate something unique um mm-hmm. you know if they want a white kitchen maybe we do the perimeter white, but. Or- Give us some leeway on doing a unique wood island. Um, mm-hmm. So we always just try to, and and sometimes we get heavy pushback. You know, sometimes we're like, well, have you thought of this? And it's just like, no, I want a white kitchen. Okay, well <laughs> let's let's work from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's just learning to know your client. Um, but yes, we always try to incorporate something unique that um, is not fully on trend. Um, I'm not a, a big trend follower. I like timeless. Um, that's why, you know, I, I like to use as, as many organic materials. I, I use as many limestones and natural stones as possible. Um, so uh, in my world, I'm not going for trend. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not using usually what's on a lot of the Pinterest, current Pinterest, I, I, am really into timeless. Um, so whenever I get something that's very trend, I'll try to incorporate something that's timeless It makes it, it'll, it'll, it'll help that design last longer and, um, make that, that, that space feel better.
0: And a little bit more unique. So you have a landscape yeah. component to your uh, business as well, correct? We do. Yeah, we have a whole separate company. In, and how did that get started and folded into the overall umbrella of Dig <laughs> and <laughs> uh,
1: Same same kind of evolution. Is we we would um, we get on these projects that are you know sometimes bigger pro, you know properties, okay. um, and they would say we want to do the landscape and we want a pool and we want. A fountain and a fire pit and we want all these unique things and they would say you're the builder like can you handle whoever subcontractor would be and i started to sub it out to you know Mm -hmm. landscape construction companies um and quickly found that i was doing a lot of their work um with my own in house guys so at some point i said why don't i just take it over i think it'll be more seamless for the client it'll be more seamless for our team know they always need us the builder you know oh we need we need gas line we need water for the fountain we need pool equipment we need x y and z uh we're not going to dig the trench uh we'll put the pipe in when you dig the trench so Mm. you know i I already did 80 percent of the work so why don't i just do the next part and then um you know we work with a couple really great landscape designers but then we started to do some of these compact backyards where it's a pretty plug and play for us like we can I can see that space and I know you want a really functional outdoor kitchen. You want a fire pit, you want a little bit of grass and you want lushness and like right. we can do that. No problem very quickly. Um, and we're very good masons. We have great stone guys. So we're incorporating high end features to these compact yards that, you know, we can, we can accomplish that in a few months where, you know, to most people that could, you know, think of they'd be thinking about it for two years and you just give us the go ahead and we'll have it done in a few months. Right. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how it started. Is, is I kept getting asked to manage that portion of the project, um, and then I started to manage it, and then noticed that I was sort of doing half of it anyway. And then at one point, I just said, "Why don't I just?" We were getting so busy with it too that we we broke it off, and um, I went and got the second license for it, and we broke it off into another com- uh, another company.
0: So you're pretty much a one stop shop. You're Turnkey Solutions.
1: We've gotten pretty close to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we still need structural engineers and architects, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, we can, we can do quite a bit under house.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. So where do you, where's your personal drive? Is it in the design build? Is it in the, uh, aesthetic? Is it, what part do you really, really enjoy that keeps you, uh, your blood pumping, I guess throughout the day?
1: Um, the design build, I think, is, is gives us the most flexibility to do all that, um, mm-hmm. which I like that because I, I like how we can streamline things. Um, it, as you know, like I said, permitting so challenging is that we, right. we lose clients sometimes in that permitting process because it takes so long. So anything I can do to keep the positive energy moving towards this project and to and, and reduce the time it takes to get there is mm-hmm. valuable to me. Um, and so I've just sort of seen the weaknesses over the years of like, I lost that project because, well, the designer took eight months to get them their package. And then we got the package and we told them it was 40% over budget. And then they just got deflated and the project never happened. Right. So it was like, what, what could I have done to help that project, you know, come to fruition? And so I've, you know, and we do this all the time. We make these comparisons. Like we still don't have a design package from a project we're waiting on. And we're going to be completing a same size house that we met the same, the client at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're a year and a half ahead of the other one, (laughs) which is crazy when someone you think about like moving in your own home. Um, So those are the, those are the things that we're able to do when we do it in house. So I, it just gives us flexibility. I like that it, it gels us as a team, you know, working with our designer, our PM, the construction guys on site, like. When we're able to accomplish things so quickly because we have all that uh, inner dialogue, it's just kind of a special little setup.
0: Right. So let me go back to your show house that you're doing for yourself. Did yeah. you come up with a, the layout yourself or did you work with the architect to kind of extract information from you? Or are you knew from day one what this was going to look like?
1: Um, so it, it's a unique because it has a tiny little 800 structure, which was the whole house. It's going to be four thousand feet now, so I added thirty two hundred around this little house. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when I when I was thinking of purchasing this property, I it has a really nice ocean view from the second floor. So I I got a ladder multiple times and like walked the roof trying to figure out where the best vantage points were. So I had a pretty good idea like where I wanted the master suite to be and where I wanted mm-hmm. viewpoints to be and um, where what kind of open spaces I wanted. So to answer your question, I I I did all hand sketches on the whole house, and I had a draft person draw it for me. Um, and I've done the permitting enough where I I use my structural engineer. So I I in help with the drafter, um, I did I designed the whole thing. um, so window packages it? everything. Um, we're looking around February, February of this coming year. Oh, fantastic. So about six months. Yeah, not too bad. We're we're pretty far along. We're we're closing up right now, so. Um, the interesting, unique stuff starting to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what advice do you have for aspiring designers, architects, people that want to get into the design, build, and construction industry and careers?
1: Um, well, sorry. So the to, to do both obviously takes a, a, a unique <laughs> 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 Um Designers, what I see most is uh, – as you probably do too is they they follow trends but then they put a very small spin and i Mm -hmm. i think the most successful designers are people that stay true to like what they really like um and sometimes it's a little too you know outlandish and just doesn't it's not practical um but Mm -hmm. i think staying true to what you actually enjoy aesthetically for yourself um and then trying to find the right project will let you execute something like that and i think that's what separates certain designers and i think what's also Propels people. I think when people can see uniqueness, um, and, you know, original thought and original creativity, I think that's where you sort of separate yourself pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're a contractor and you dabble in the design side and it's hard to like make that jump, um, start small, you know, do a couple little bathroom ones, hand sketch it, find a drafter you can just sub it out to if, if you're not, you know, familiar with AutoCAD. Um, but I think if you have, design brain and you keep wanting to make changes on site as a builder, but you're mm-hmm. too nervous to say it or you know cause stir the pot in a, you know design a relationship um, you know get, give ideas make make your points come across but I think you just have to take the plunge and you know take on a couple projects where you say like I, I design I'm going to design it for you be confident in that design, make something special, and usually you know the work comes from there pretty quickly
0: do you take challenges or risk? In your, in your all your, day long in your day-
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> all day yeah i mean i i don't i don't think i would be anywhere where i am if i wasn't uh you know a financial risk taker you know you gotta you gotta kind of go you gotta live on the edge a little bit um right. <laughs> you know to do things um you know i've started a couple companies you know funded it from somewhere else and probably wasn't the smartest financial decision, but it's something I wanted to do. And you kind of just got to go in.
0: Is there something that you haven't done yet that's on your plate that you want to do?
1: Um, yeah. So our, our design side is interesting because we get, um, we have a pretty good social media, like Instagram, um, presence mm-hmm. and we've started to get asked quite a bit. Would you, do you do design, you know, out of your, your little wheelhouse your your San Diego area? Um, And I know a lot of designers and I've worked with designers from out of state and how they operate. And I think there's a really interesting niche for uh, me and us, especially because we're builders. Um, What I found with working with outside, you know, designers out of state is they're designers. So they're, again, they're giving me a set of drawings. They don't really know how it gets built. But if I could speak to a builder out of state and say, Hey, you know, I designed this, it might not. Be executed correctly on site. Call me; I can come. I can give you three solutions very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that dialogue between someone who actually understands how it's being built from afar um, could be a really valuable um, relationship. So we we've, we've toyed with and tried tried to figure. We're just so overloaded with work right now locally. Um, but if we have enough demand to start doing projects from afar, where we could be construction consultant and designer, I think mm-hmm. there's a Pretty unique value there.
0: So this kind of ties into this. What's next for Dagan Kaufler? Uh,
1: I got to finish my house first and then uh, <laughs> the dust will settle. <clears throat> um, I've been obviously doing sort of two jobs. You know, I'm working, running all the companies and trying to build a house. So um, I think my time will come back a little bit once my house is done. Um, but yeah, I, I think those are the avenues of, of expansion we're looking at. Um, we talk about growth, you know, and my PM and my office manager, we kind of have a meeting where we like to discuss what, what is next and what things do we want? Do we do we want to, mm-hmm. you know, quadruple the size of our company? Or are we happy with, um, you know, our mid-tier? Do we like, you know, the revenue where we're at and the project size and the staff size? You know, we're, we're constantly like ebbing and flowing these things. You know, it's not always just like, I want 50 employees and I want 100 projects and I want to be a... $50 million company. I, I, maybe I like it at this level and this is, right. we're efficient and streamlined. It's great. Um, so we're constantly evaluating that and figuring out what is the sweet spot. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think we'll ever know, but it's an evolution. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah.
1: it's, yeah. And so I think it's, it's, it's constantly evolving, but I think we have the capacity to take on more projects, um, and bigger projects. Um, mm-hmm. like one of the things we talked about last time, like, well, what is like, if we could just create like a dream, what, what is it we want to do? And I was like, well, I want to build a most expensive home in San Diego. That'd be cool. I want to <laughs> build you know, the biggest estate, you know, that'd be something you, really unique, um, where we do both. We design the whole thing. Right. We execute the, the house, the, the build side of it. Um, but I, you know, I don't know there's, we, we do some amazing projects. So it's, that's getting ahead of us, but. If we're looking at the future, like what would we like to do? Sure, that would be cool. Uh, but I, I think the expansion of taking on design projects and introducing some sort of um, construction consulting component to that, I think there's a real niche because um, we get contacted from all over the country and world as far as like we like that design. How do I execute that? Or what what materials did you use? And if I can confidently tell you what the components are, and how your contractor should execute these details. I think there's a huge value. We, you know, we're, we're the guy who gets told by the designer, can you do this? And then we have to figure it out. So now you get to talk to the guys doing both. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so when you look back from when you started in the first home that you did, can you actually see how the influence of what you do progress to the current home that you just finished? Totally.
1: Um Yeah. And it again. It's another like evolution of of building better, being more efficient, being a better like customer service to your client. Um, you know, I look back and I'm like, God, I can't believe I did that. Like, what a dumb <laughs> thing to do. Like, should have been so much better than that. And I, I'm I'm happy I can recognize that. And like, right. you know, it was okay. I think it's going to work. But would I do that again? No. Like, I learned from that, and this is how we do it correctly the next time. Um, and, you know, if you follow, like, the construction and the building side of, like, the technology of building is changing pretty dramatically. There's new materials coming out and ways to build and, and more airtight homes. Um, so I, there's a component on our side as builders and designers is we want to build a better house. We want to build a really unique design home, but mm-hmm. something that's lasting and unique. So that's kind of like mm-hmm. our, our niche is I want something that's, going to be a really well-made house for a long time um that feels special to you and unique and feels good to you. Um so I I've, I've always sort of tried to incorporate those two components when we when we think about a home for someone.
0: Right. Do you remember what your first home was that you did?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm it was like a like a first like fairly substantial remodel and it was just a little um, cottage down near the beach. It wasn't very big. It was like 1100 okay. feet. Um, but it was, it was also a really challenging project because everyone wants to vault the ceilings if we have a flat lid. Um, and these old cottages, it was a two by four frame. So wow. we had to come up with this like collar tie solution with that structural engineer that looked cool. Um, and then we had to insulate it because we have title 24. So we actually insulated from the roof side instead of right. under the cavity because they wanted to keep the original TNG. So, you know, those were, those were like those challenges where, you know, the homeowner had this thought but no way to get there. Um, And I had to come up with all the design and functional solutions to get there. Um, And again, it was super challenging. I used to do about 70% manual labor myself too. Um, So I, you know, everything except electrical and plumbing, I used to execute myself with some, some helpers some laborers. Um, So that's changed. I'm, you know, it's been a long time since (laughs) I've had bags on, but um, I, I feel really good that I had those years of, of that struggle though I think it makes me more relatable to my on-site staff guys who do you know lift the lumber on a daily basis they know that mm-hmm. I used to be in the trenches a little bit with them um, <laughs> sometimes designers and architects are so far removed from you know the guys doing it on the field and they don't relate and I've always mm-hmm. felt like I've been a bridge I've been an easy bridge because I I actually know how to you know tackle that nailing schedule. Like, here's actually, you actually do it. Give me the gun. I'll show you right. really quick. Um, and so I think that's always super impressive and like, Oh, Oh, he knows what he's doing. Okay. That's cool. You know, Oh, he designed he knows it.
0: Yeah.
1: And it, you know, I do, I get out there every once in a while just to show face and I think it's good. I think it keeps morale. I think, I think it keeps me relevant to, you know, mm-hmm. my guys in the office and the people in the field. Um, I never want to feel too disconnected because those are the guys really doing everything. My masons and stuff. These guys are, just insanely talented. So um, I want to make sure that they know that I I think they're pretty special and keep doing (laughs) what you're doing.
0: (laughs) Well, it shows integrity too, that you get out there and you get your hands dirty and you you know what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I I think it, 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 even if it's one day a month, it goes so far for sure. Yeah.
0: So have you thought about, since you have such a, a distinct aesthetic and design and build and what else you do besides the construction and landscape, uh, publishing your own work
1: uh, in magazines and books and whatnot you mean
0: yeah like a, your own book
1: yeah I, I you know i i've thought about it because i i do follow some you know really great architects and i i think that like jeffrey dungan's one that I, I don't know if you know him from he's mm-hmm. from new orleans area or alabama yeah. he's not far i love his work and he's you know if, you had to, if i had to describe him i would say he's unique and wooden stone, like he's got stone yeah. and big timbers and wood everywhere, lots of plaster. Um, so someone like that, I do follow. And I'm like, I'm, I'm envious of those buildings. And I've chatted with him a couple of times. And I'm, we're trying to find a project we can get on together. Um, but yeah, I, I think in due time, I don't think my potentially my portfolio is, is vast enough to like have a book to fill. I mm-hmm. think I have things to say about how the industry works. And um, my experience in the industry, as far as having two different viewpoints um, I think I'm unique in that way so i think I think I have a lot to say as far as um, making the industry better and and it's a growth that I've experienced as well like i mm. I'm not perfect i but I try to learn from my mistakes
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> um yeah
1: but I haven't found what that theme is, but I I think my approach and my, my double viewpoint into how houses get built and luxury homes, especially, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's unique. I just haven't figured out what that dialogue to tell people how to do it is yet.
0: Right. Have you thought about, uh, being on speaking engagements like through HBA or other organizations?
1: Um, I have, yeah. And I'm totally open to it. Um, I've, I've been doing quite a few podcasts lately. Um, I think they're great. I listen to, you know, I consume podcasts like crazy too. Um, <laughs> we so
0: you think, so I think it's a,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I appreciate all you guys who who do these podcasts because it is super valuable information. Um, and I've created friendships from some of the podcasts I've been on and the, you know, some of the people that I engage with on Instagram and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, that component, like sort of, I would have never talked to some of these guys were in Arizona or Colorado or whatever. And, Right. it's really unique to be able to like DM a guy like, Hey, that's a really cool thing you did. Like, how did you do that? I mean, like you can <laughs> chat with them and that's, I would have never been able to do that in a million years without those, those, those avenues. So, um, no, the podcasts are great. I love it when people get into, you know, what are the difficulties of this industry? What do you like and dislike? And you know, how do you really do things? And you know, the nitty gritty. Hey,
0: you just prompted me to ask you your own question. <laughs> <laughs> What do you like about this industry? <laughs> what drives you to continue in, continue in it?
1: Um, I, you know, I, it, I've never like said it, but I, I think I, I think I do love building things. Um, mm. I'm not a like a stagnant guy. You know, I, I can only be at the computer for a little while. You know, my emails pack up because I just can't, I can't sit there for a long time and and just write emails. Um, I'm an on, I'm an like an on-site guy. Like I can get a lot done. Being in front of my foreman, my my few guys, like let's walk through a detail, let's walk through 20 things. We'll we'll accomplish, you know, more than four hours of emails with with what the five minute walkthrough. Um, right. so I'm an on-site guy. I'm kind of a guy in the move. Um, I I think it's only possible because I've surrounded myself with with good people um, that you know control the back end of things. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's people that are much more diligent than I am as far as like Making sure the subs show up, making sure we get good PO orders. You know, like I—I I was never my forte. I can build a lot of things and I can see things, um, and I fully admit it's just not not my cup of tea. Um, so I found people that are really good at that, and it helps keep the business moving and keep it propelling. Um, so I—I I think I will always just be uh, like entrepreneur and guy on site and keep moving forward and taking risks. Um, I also. A little bit in the and the face of the company you know um especially since like social media has increased and things like that people they call and they want to talk to me and they want to understand what my vision might be for their own home and then how that works and that's been a um an evolution too as far as once a project starts i'm not i'm not your point of contact every day we have you know x y and z who are your, your point of contact i i'm very much involved but i'm not your like dm person every two seconds for every question like we have staff and people available for all that and we want to make sure that we do it right but it's been a it's been a, a transition on on how i run jobs and be less involved but still keep keep it moving mm-hmm. so um yeah i don't know if that answered your question though <laughs> a,
0: little bit, a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there anything is there anything that you think should change within this industry i mean it, it, it is morphing continuously and the industry is ever so changing with technology and the way to do things and product and all a whole assortment of other stuff. There's anything that really just bugs you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a challenge. I, you know, I, the, the biggest, it's not even really about the, the building. It's the procedural of permitting. Um, like I've, I've sure discussed the difficulties of yeah. it, but um, planning, zoning, permitting it is is so laborious these days that it, it kills more projects than it allows to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that time and time again where I, I, I've I, said this on another podcast, but it's creating a black market where no one, unless you're building a new home or adding a lot of square feet, will ever go through a permit process. They'll just do it until they get caught um, mm-hmm. because the repercussions of getting caught are less than the hassle of trying to get it done the right way. So I, I'm hoping there's a major shift in um streamlining the permitting process I- i'd love to be able to do it all per- it doesn't matter to me i can build per code no big deal It's just getting the damn permit is the hard part right right. Um, so I-, I really hope that there's a major shift in how um, we can get permits and the complexity that they've created around that um i mean it's causing multiple issues outside of just building you know housing affordability all these all these things um and in our specific area the zoning laws have changed so much over the course of the last 30 years that it went from you could build a three-story you know townhome structure to 16 foot max one one building your far is maxed out at 1100 square feet so what could have been four five six nice apartment buildings in a really nice neighborhood now is 1100 square foot cottage. Right,
0: um, right.
1: And it takes you two years to get that permit.
0: I always say, so
1: I I'd love for things to change.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, being in the industry myself, it, it always depends if that person behind the desk has had a good day or not.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, they, what's happening here is they can't keep anyone on staff because it's just not mm. that desirable of a job. So our planning department, our three coastal zones, have turned over three times in the last two years. Wow. I don't know anyone anymore. I've used to That's know great. everyone on you know by first name, and it's just a constant revolving door now. Um, it's challenging. So I think yeah. if I had to say specifically about the building, I, I'd love for it to get streamlined so we could build more. I'd like for you know, I'd like it for it to be less barriers to entry for newer builders and designers that want to like get in this industry like well like i don't want it to be so daunting to go get a permit right. I've, I've seen new builders like how do you do it i don't even know like the package like i saw this sheet and it was four pages long of just the checklist like it seems like i have like 300 pages available to just to get like a little small edition permit and right. it's true it is um knowing consultants and all these things so
0: do you think that's uh part of the driving force that some design has become so stagnant
1: yes um, and I talk with this on a lot of designers because one of the first questions they ask if we're bringing an outside person, is, is this a permitted project? Right. Because if it's a permitted project, we're not going to see this project for three years. Um, if it's a non-permitted project, we might be able to actually see what this looks like in a year or two. Um, and so, yes, I, i I've, I've even seen like design changes within one project because it took so long. So they started to change things because they're like, "Oh, I came up with that four years ago, right. but I'd actually like to change it now." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, I, I think um, I think that is true to, to to a certain degree for sure.
0: Well, Dagan, is there anything else you'd like to share with us and our listener? I
1: don't know. I think I, I divulged a lot. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> we covered a lot. Um, what do we have.
1: No, I mean, I, I, you know, hopefully there's an upbeat tone to the industry. It's a, it's a wildly exciting industry. Um, on both sides, design and build, I think design, um, there's a little bit less barriers to entry. I think you could work from your house and for a couple of years and and work Mm -hmm. your portfolio up. Um, like I said, I think, I think be true to your design and, um, unique, um, following trends is fine, but I think the way that you really build a, a name for yourself in a business is is being unique and creative. So if you're a new designer in the world, that's all my two cents is be unique to what you want to do.
0: Well, fantastic. That's a good, uh, word of advice. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today, Dagan. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you and, uh, congratulations and much success continuing forward.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to show my home as it comes and, um, we'll have to figure Keep out a way to, to. I will for sure. Thank you for having me. We're great.